Welcome to this week's Henchman of Comics. I'm Alex Eschback. And I'm the human version of a sexually transmitted disease, Matt Golden. How's it going, buddy? It's going fantastic. I, I don't know what to say to that. But <laughs> this week we are talking about Marvel's Cloak and Dagger airing on Freeform. And I don't know about you, but this is my first show to ever watch on Freeform, formerly ABC Family. Uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to get to catch some of the... Uh, the previews for other things that are on Freeform, uh, which happen to just be weddings that take place at Disney theme parks. So if you're interested in Disney theme park weddings or the show Cloak and Dagger, go to Freeform, I guess. Hey, they were showing. I got to see the credits for The Incredibles before I watched the show. Yeah. So that was a nice plus. Sure. I mean, did I stop watching Cloak and Dagger to watch like 10 episodes of... Of my Disney wedding. Of my Disney wedding. You bet your fucking ass I did. And I cried through each one of them. Well, yeah, because it's the most magical time of your life in the most magical place on Earth. Yep. Enough said. Perfect. Uh, I don't and think that's we... a review of Cloak and Dagger. <laughs> yeah, the end. We, we did it. Chuck another episode in the books. And not having watched any shows on Freeform at all, I wasn't. I had no idea what to expect going into the show. I had very low expectations. I associated ABC Family with, like, soapy teenage dramas aimed toward, like, preteen girls. And that there was, I've made a twinge of that, but it definitely wasn't uh, overly burdened with it or anything. So, yeah, I take the opposite stance. I had the uh, the highest expectations yeah, ever. I'm sure. <laughs> I thought <laughs> this, this was, was a show be you were waiting like for. watching a Thor Ragnarok or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. This free app was definitely yeah, 2018. Be a- your number one was Cloak and Dagger. Number two, Men of the War, but Cloak and Dagger was, yeah, you're was my most anticipated yeah. thing of the year, 100%. Now, Cloak and Dagger, uh, in the show, their origins are a bit different. In the comics, the comics, it's a little bit muddled. Uh, at some point, they were got their powers from drugs uh, because they were experimented on and force-fed drugs. But then they were also mutants, and then they weren't mutants, but then they were mutants again. And Marvel just released a Cloak & Dagger comic a week or two ago, written by Dennis Hopeless, uh, where if you read in the first page, it says they're mutants. So in the comics, they're mutants, and a lot of their storylines, uh, they even put the X-Men, especially in the late 80s and early 90s. But I don't think we'll be seeing any of that, and I don't think they'll ever utter the word mutant on this show. Well, they're definitely not fucking mutants. That's 100% clear. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know, because you could say, when we first showed them exhibit their powers, it's at a time of stress, when they're right around that pubescent age. They're like 18 years old. They're not at a pubescent age. The first time we see them, when they're little kids. Well, they... That's when they get their powers, sort yeah. of, right? They fall in a lake and they get electrocuted by like a a thing. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. That's and that's how they get their powers. That's not what happens with mutants and X Men. And I'm not about to debate with you the way that mutants <laughs> get their powers because I know you'll destroy me here. But but it's not a very mutanty kind of a thing. And especially with uh, Comcast bidding on Fox, Disney probably never be allowed to say the word mutants in comics ever again or in film or TV ever. Maybe they'll just start calling them muties. Uh, and we'll have the Probably. same result. Uh, the show does open with a very young cloak and a very young dagger. Uh, Tandy is cloak, or sorry, Tandy is dagger, and Tandy or Tyrone is cloak. I think they're like you like want to go. Said, you want to go at that again because I didn't get it with Sue. <laughs> like Matt said, around eight years old, uh, and 
Tyrone's brother. They were exactly eight years uh, old. Is being told to steal a stereo and he doesn't want to. And Tyrone's hiding in the background uh, while it's going on. And Tandy's waiting to be picked up from ballet lessons and starts off like showing the contrast in their lives. Uh, clearly, Tyrone's brother's in with the wrong crowd. Disagree. Tandy is living a life of uh, opportunity or privilege for, for someone so young. So let me tell you, this took me out of the game immediately. The fact that his name is Tyrone, I just started singing the that song, You Better Call Tyrone. Uh, <laughs> so I'm out of the show entirely. I just want to listen to that song on repeat. They, I, I just, in my mind, because in the comic he referred to as Ty, like Tandy calls him Ty or Cloak calls him Ty a lot. Or Tiger, sorry, calls him Ty God, a you're lot. You're getting this I know. messed up. So like in my mind, like it's weird to hear like his full name, uh, for me anyway. But I, they both have tragic events. Essentially, uh, Tandy's being driven home in a car by her dad. Her dad's on the phone talking about exposing. And, and Tyrone's brother tells his ass to come yeah. home. And Tandy's uh, father's on the phone arguing while driving in the rain, uh, exposing about the Roxxon Corporation, which is a Marvel reference. Roxxon's been used in the comics for years. Uh, recently, they were used in Jason Aaron's Thor reference and in other runs as well. I honestly thought it was a rocks on, rocks off kind of a yeah, thing. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. They also have rights to the Karate Kid, so yeah. they're trying to get, get their way around it. It is a Marvel Karate Kid crossover, yeah. Cloak and Dagger. And Put YouTube Red. Yep. So. And YouTube Red. <laughs> so don't forget about that. Oh, um, that is a fucking thing happening. But right essentially, it's, it's a big PSA for don't be distracted while driving, because a semi comes, forces them off the road, and they plummet into the body of water. Meanwhile, nearby... Uh, Tyrone decides to steal the stereo to help his brother out. His brother catches him with the stereo and tells him to go return it. And just then, a cop comes up and he sees two young black kids holding a car stereo in the middle of the street. I think there was actually four of them. It was Jim, James, <laughs> Paul, and Tyrone. Yeah. And sorry, sorry, that was my last reference to the song. And I apologize. As you can imagine, of course, the officer understood and things went over. Will Smiley just talked it out. They, they put the stereo back. And, and everything was yeah. good, yeah. Anytime that two <laughs> young black children are, are in any, any sort of uh, predicament, the cops are definitely just ready to help out. What actually happened is they ran from the cops. The cops heard the bang of the island in the middle of the lake run by the Rockland Corporation exploding. And so the cop panicked and shot Tyrone's brother. Why do I feel like you're on the side of the cops here? Like, I'm pretty sure Alex is like, yeah, I mean, he had kind of just cause to shoot him. There was a loud bang. Yeah, that's why the 4th of July is the deadliest time for any family to go out. (laughs) Uh, But Tyrone witnessed the murder of the brother. We learn later that it's all covered up by the police. Uh, But they both fall into the river or the lake or whatever. They fall into the body of water. And they meet, and that's when they first get a glimpse of their magical powers as Tandy's drowning in a car filling with water, and Tyrone's trying to get his brother's body. What do you think of this scene? Uh, I thought it sucked. I was like, let's get some action. And that's kind of how I feel about this whole, uh, the first two episodes, is let's get to some action, despite the fact that there's action happening. There was, the first two episodes were very slow-moving. Uh, I watched it with my wife and she said it felt every bit of an hour for each one. <laughs> you broke down a five minute. Se- well, actually I think the sequence that you broke down was like two minutes and I think you took like five minutes to break mm-hmm. it down. And I just relived every painfully 
slow moment of the entire thing. I will say this, though. And even though it is a very slow-moving uh, first two episodes, uh, Olivia Holt, who plays Tandy, and Arby Joseph, who plays uh, Tyrone, who I know from nothing else. Um, <laughs> I think... IMDB knows him from nothing else either, so don't worry. I think... I think they did incredibly well. I don't know if it's just me, but I'm so burned out on the over-the-top CW drama where it just feels forced and necessary because no one will actually communicate with one another. Or people just are prone to wild flings of emotion each episode. The The performances and felt really well uh, done. And all the drama, even though it solely, it all felt earned and real. Well, I, I kind of compare it to The Gifted a little bit. Um, I know you and I were talking kind of pre-show about this. But the actors in this one are, are much better than you'll see on, on just standard network television. And I don't really know why. It's very I, well acted, but I think the writing is just not right. And I, I think I compare it to Runaways on Hulu. Well, you're wrong. Um, and it's The Gifted from ABC. And I, I, I think these two actors were, for the most part, top to bottom better than the cast of Runaways. Although Runaways has, has a larger cast, so it's kind of harder to balance that. But uh, I think they did a good job casting their two leads. And really, no one else in the show stands out. None of the other actors. um, The mothers are okay. Yeah, I mean, mean, they're fine. Uh, Tandy's mom is played by Andrea Roth, who I know from Rescue Me, the the old FX show. And she was fine, and she's a crazy drug user. Did she play a crazy drug user in that other show? No. Damn it. I was like, she's got this world knocked out. But that mom knows how to party. (laughs) And not like in a fun way, like, oh my god, this is tragically sad kind of way. Yeah, this mom like, parties. Yeah, it's it, there's not lines of cocaine, like, balancing on a fancy mirror with a rolled up $100 bill. Like, this is lines of random pills smashed on a textbook with w- w- with a rolled up homework assignment uh, used to snort. <laughs> well, that was Tandy doing that shit. That wasn't her mom. It's uh, a family affair. Like, yeah, they, it's a, yeah, because I think remember she, she robbed, yeah. <laughs> Which, of course, the drug use might also be a callback to their messy origins where they got their powers from drugs. Although, uh, Tyrone is very much straight edge. He would fit right in at a Minor Threat concert. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) What? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Well, you better. I mean, or Fugazi concert, if that works better for you. All right. There you go. There, uh, There is Alex's bizarre reference that only one of you will understand out there. Uh, Ian McKay will get it. Who? Uh, Ian McKay, the lead singer of Minor Threat and Fugazi. Oh, well, there you go. That flew right the fuck over my head, and I don't even give a shit. And in earlier episodes, you talked about the importance of musical cues and television and film, and you felt like they were going to have a big impact uh, moving forward. And I felt this show had a ton of musical cues. In fact, I thought it was too much at times. Yeah. Of music. Well, it it didn't help that the music all sucked. It exactly. all sucked dick. How um, how would you describe the, the music in this show? Uh, I think I just did by the the words sucked dick. I, I was it was of, not good. I was thinking of a genre. I hated but, it. Like, what is a modern teenage version of adult contemporary? Because that's <laughs> what it was. Uh, imagine the worst music played in Thirteen Reasons Why, and that was the music that was played during this constantly. Uh, the show is also set in New Orleans, which I like the setting. Uh, I kind of wish that they ran into Jesse Custer and the gang since they were in New Orleans so, last season preacher. No, so here's something that was actually awesome. There's a chase scene at the very beginning, and they're fucking running through an old school 
New Orleans mausoleum. And if you've ever been to New Orleans, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. They are very distinct. They're extremely cool. And that was the only bit of New Orleans I saw the entire episode. The rest was just like high school and like these kids. I there do was think no though. New Orleans I, I do think, or at least I hope, that the setting will play a part into the future. It of the should, show. if it because doesn't, it's because it, it's a unique setting. I, I think one thing the show does well is in the comics, at least to me anyway, that Cloak and Dagger were the original Runaways before Brian K. Vaughn created the Runaways comic. In fact, they actually show up during that first story run of Runaways as well. Um, Running yeah, into they the do. Yeah. yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah, and I thought it was kind of funny that through two episodes, they're already, at least Tandy's already better at running away than all the runaways. <laughs> they're, since they're basically still at home. And they were actually called runaways more often than the actual runaways in the runaway <laughs> TV show. So, so, quick question. What do you think of these two characters as portrayed or as written in this television show? Because Cloak and Dagger really don't make much of an appearance in these first two episodes. No, it's, it's and like, I know it's set up. Like, like, like you that. said, like it is super slow. Uh, the show is called obviously cloak and dagger right now. It could be cloak and then sometimes dagger, but rarely ever together. Of course, that title's a bit muddled, so I can feel why well, they didn't go with it. But you're right. The show is called cloak and dagger. Like you want them to be together. Like you want them to explore their powers and use it. Um, and we both like the gifted pilot, but there's a lot of action. I gifted pilot. Like we got to see a ton yeah. of power usage, uh, even in the Runaways pilot, uh, it had what this doesn't have going for it. There was some levity in the Runaways pilot uh, going for it, and we got to see a great twist at the end, which th- there was no twist or anything like that at the end. There's no hooks for, for these episodes, I felt like. Well, here's my frustration. It's like a Donnie and Marie light, and Donnie and Marie already is extremely light. It's I'm kind of just a little bit cloak, and I might be kind of a little bit dagger the whole two episodes. I did think it was messed up that eight-year-old Tandy stole uh, Tyrone's hoodie whenever they woke up on the beach after racist. nearly drowning. Racist. Um, is it racist? Uh, the thing is weird that uh, that a white girl's <laughs> eight-year-old white girl steals a kid's jacket. Yep, totally racist. Okay. Oh, like the one thing that made me more angry than anything else is the entire lack of using anything New Orleans in this thing, though. I cannot overstate how much that frustrated me. Can I say, though, I have a no, lot... No, you can't say anything. I have a lot of almost respect for uh, for Tyrone. New There's Orleans one has been through enough. You can't say anything where else. Where his teammates uh, all gang up on him for his basketball team <laughs> and beat the crap out of him and then beat him unconscious and then lock him in a supply closet with, with a chain well, they're and, like, you better play yeah. really well on, on yeah. Friday or, or we're going to be even more mad at you after they kick the shit out of him. He gets himself free. But he's got a one-track mind. He still goes after the cop that kills his brother. If it was me, I would have gone after those kids. Also, I don't know about this, but the optics might be kind of bad to have three private school white kids beating up uh, their, their black teammate and locking him in a school closet overnight. I don't know what you're talking about. Although... Uh, when we, we do see Tyrone play a basketball game in the first episode, which led to one of my favorite scenes in the entire series. Uh, Tyrone gets frustrated because the opposing team, one of the players is picking on him and pulling dirty tricks. <laughs> so he punches him and beats the crap out of him. But my favorite team is like, they're fighting for a bit. And then you hear the coach go, Raph, what are you doing? <laughs> Great question. That was a good 10 seconds. I heard no whistles blown. If that's not a foul, I don't know what is. That's at least a flagrant one. Coach, let him play. You gotta let him play through it. Yeah. That was a clean play. Let him, let him out. If I take control now, this game will never get under control. What was your uh, favorite moment or favorite scene from the first two episodes? 
uh, when Tandy, aka Dagger, uh, had an attempted rape uh, happen to her, she summoned the power of her dagger and stabbed him. However, that was amazing. You got to see her power in use. It looked really good too. I thought. Uh, I, I think the way they did the graphics for both their powers looked good. like that dark black smoke. Uh, looked good. We, we, we I didn't watched see it much on it my visually. phone and on my tablet. <laughs> I could not. Okay, that was another problem I had. I watched it on my phone and on my yeah. tablet. I couldn't see his power at all. No. I could not. I was like, oh, he's using his power. I think maybe. I don't know. Yeah, and they didn't. Of course, I'm explaining mm-hmm. it because they don't really know. Uh, Cloak's power. Taps into the Dark Force, which I've talked about on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., talked about it, and Doctor Strange talked about it, and Peggy Carter. Uh, so, again, that's another Marvel connection, but they haven't brought that up yet in the show. But so far, his cloak has only been like a plastic tarp. I'm hoping visually they get something a little more striking for him. But I do think Candy's daggers look really cool. Yeah, it's like a crystal glowing yeah. dagger. Yeah. It was fantastic. So many issues and weird holes in this. I don't know that we're only on episode two, but they were like, oh, man, I don't know what to do. Let's call the hospital and find out if he's dead. They call the hospital and they don't ever show <laughs> whether or not they find out if he's dead or anything. Yeah. And to be fair, what does it matter? If he's dead, he's dead. If he's alive, he's alive. I did think it was weird, though, when that and we should say that when that guy tried, we should also say spoilers for the first two episodes. <laughs> no, nah, no spoilers here, my uh, friend. Not when. Today. When that guy tried to rape Tandy in the alley, it was because she robbed him earlier in the episode. Yes. But the weirdest part about that for me was, was that he went there with two buddies, ganged up on her, and was about to rape her. And they're like, hey, bro. He's like, no, no. I'm going to rape her. You guys can go now. And they're like, okay. Catch you later. Hop on. Like, let's play some Call of Duty later or something. <laughs> the weirdest things. Like, like. Like what two guys see their friends about to rape someone? It's like, okay, he's got this. I guess, I guess I'm going to get some Del Taco and see what's on Netflix. <laughs> there in how, New how do you Orleans, go home? There's you go not a Del Taco in New Orleans. You idiot! You're well, so stupid. No wonder everyone's fleeing that city. <laughs> yeah, it has nothing to do with anything else. It's the fact that there are no Del Tacos. Why people left New Orleans? That's why Anthony Davis will not resign with the Pelicans. Oof. Yeah, I hear that's why. Um, on my way, Anthony I Bourdain mean, is never going back to New Orleans. Drew Brees has done a lot for New Orleans, but he has, has he brought them to Del Taco? No, he's not. So. No, he hasn't. Uh, so I have an interesting thing for you. Uh, oh, I, Real quick. Yeah. I do want to say my favorite part. My favorite part was when... I didn't ask you, but I, I guess you can tell me your favorite part. Was when Tandy uh, went to the ballet. She got tickets from robbing that guy because he had season tickets. And she goes to the ballet. I thought it was really cool that the ballet was doing a dance for, to the theme song of Chef's Table. Uh, <laughs> This was my, this actually might have been my favorite moment. And not because of what was happening on screen, but because I love the theme for Chef's Table <laughs> yeah. so much. The ballet was gorgeous. I was surprised that David Chang wasn't waiting outside to serve everyone uh, a special meal. It would have paired perfectly. <laughs> I was just hoping David Chang was outside waiting to argue with everyone <laughs> about anything. I was expecting uh, an off camera interview with Jonathan Gold explaining how that dance uh, awakens our senses and our aromas <laughs> to really, so we can fully really savor the meal. Oh, fuck that. Uh, although, if you have not watched Ugly Delicious on Netflix, go watch that. If you haven't watched Chef's Table, watch most of it, because some of it's not good. It's all good. No, it's not. But, anywho, Alex, I have some questions for you. I have a little game for you, buddy. Okay. Um, if you watch the show, or you're going to watch the show, just know that our protagonists are extremely young, and they look 
very, very young. Um, I feel like the older I get, the more I realize <laughs> how young people look and are. And this show is definitely no exception. Both of these main actors were born in 1997. They're 20 years old. So, Alex, I have a game for you called Can They Remember? And this is just whether or not something happened before or after they were born. That's good. All this stuff took place between a five-year period. Some of it happened before they were born. Some of it happened after they were born. Well, I hope every question is comic book related because that's the only point in history that I remember. <laughs> well, my friend, you're going to be extremely disappointed. So tell me, we'll start off with an, a very easy one. <laughs> uh, was Harry Potter uh, published before or after they were born? Can they remember? Harry Potter was published. I mean, Harry Potter after they were born. That is correct. US. It was. It was published in 1997, the year they were born. They, of course, can remember that. All right. Razor Scooters. <laughs> Razor Scooters. Can these children remember Razor Scooters? I think they were around before they were born. Uh, you would be so mistaken. Razor Scooters have only been around since 2000. You idiot. Uh, the movie Jumanji. Can they remember the movie Jumanji, not Ju- the sequel, uh, no. starring The Rock and uh, Karen Gillan. No. Uh, Jumanji came out in 1995, 96. I want to believe. Oh my God, this dude knows his Jumanji. Yeah. 1995, Jumanji came. I out. I will always remember my 17th favorite Rob Williams film. Now here's a real question: Were the Grateful Dead still around when these two were born? Jerry Garcia was dead by that point. The Grateful Dead broke up in 1995. Congratulations, Alex. You're correct. Uh, the Nintendo 64. Was it released before or after these people were alive? I want to say that Can one, they remember? That Are you one an was before. You're correct. Cool. 96. A year before they were born. Hanson releases Mbop, the greatest song of all time. We are in Oklahoma here, and Hanson is from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I want to say Mbop came out in 97 or 98, so that was... Oh my god, this guy is on fire. Hanson's Mbop came out in 1997. The craze that is Pokemon cards. What year did Pokemon cards come out? Before or after they were born? That one came out before. Mm. Trick question, you stupid bitch. Uh, (laughs) The game came out in 96. However, the cards were invented in 97. Therefore, you're wrong, and I hate you. Uh, Pogs. The greatest craze to so, ever take the world. When these kids were like 16 at their high school dance, they viewed Umbop like the way I viewed Motley Crue. <laughs> exactly. It was on the classic rock radio stations, I'm pretty sure. I mean, sure. both bands had really long hair, so I guess that goes <laughs> hand in hand. That's fucking excellent. Okay, uh, Pogs. The craze. Before. Yeah, definitely before. <laughs> Uh, the video game, sort of, Tamagotchi. I'm going to go with before on that one, too. You're correct, my friend. Uh, did the Dallas Stars win a Stanley Cup before or after these children were born? I don't look Canadian, okay? (laughs) This happened in Texas. Uh, you mean Canada South. (laughs) The South Canada, Texas. You mean the slightly (laughs) more racist Canada. Yep, exactly. Okay, uh, I think, I really, I don't think anyone remembers because no one was there to watch it. You are correct. 
Yeah. Uh, Beanie Babies, before or after they were born? Before. Incorrect. You're, no way. Yep. Beanie Babies came out in 1998. Uh, if that makes you feel old, then that's correct. You are old. Um, the last time the Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl, were they alive for that? Uh, I think it was 95 when they won their last Super Bowl. 96. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're close enough. Uh, it seems like they're old enough to remember basically nothing. <laughs> they don't know what happened yeah. ever. So, yeah, 20-year-olds. Yeah, they Fuck would, those people, right? They would have to learn about 9-11 in school <laughs> because they were four. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I was like 14 yeah. when 9-11 happened. Let's talk about 9-11 <laughs> for the next 20 minutes. And well, you. that's the cloak and dagger So, what do you rate the show on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, I actually am kind of curious to see what happens. It is very slow moving, but it's it's somehow engaging uh, while it's kind of boring, which is totally yeah. bizarre. I don't understand it. I think it might be um, how genuine these actors seem or something. Um, but I would I would say I give it a six maybe. Yeah, I'm right there with you at a six. I, I agree with everything you said. It's I know I, I'm, I'm smart. Keep I'm, watching I'm it. A genius like Kanye. It's only ten episodes, so I kind of hope that the pace picks up. Uh, the third episode, the preview for it looked like it was more action packed. Uh, that will vary by the time this podcast comes out. So hopefully things move along a little more quickly with it only being a short run. But that also lets me know. Without taking up too much time, whether I'll watch it for a second season if it gets renewed or not. But I know it performed really well ratings-wise for Freeform. Uh, yeah, it's a Marvel show, and they do a, a pretty good job with it. I mean, I didn't... As much as I, I shit on it just now, it's not bad. It's not great by any means, but it's it's not bad. Performances are good, and it's got potential to, to, to be something. It's uh, probably the best thing happening on Freeform for whatever that's worth. It is the best Marvel show currently airing right now. I can say that. <laughs> yeah. It's the best Marvel show on Freeform that started within the last year. Yeah. That we, true words never been spoken on this podcast. <laughs> In fact, we only tell facts from here on out. Yeah. I've never told a lie. Just like um, George Jefferson. But I think that wraps it up for this week's Henchman of Comics. Next week, we are going to be finishing up the second half of DC's New Age of Heroes. As always, you can email us at henchmanofcomics at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, please like, subscribe the show, uh, download every podcast, go back in time. Even the ones that you don't plan on listening to, go download those sons of bitches. For the Henchman of Comics, I'm Alex Dushback. I am your father. Wrong franchise. Henchman ain't easy. (laughs) 